Oh, it's, it's, it's been great. And please, when you're in town and you have some time, I hope you'll let me buy you a coffee or a glass of wine or something. Thank you. Thank you. I, I look Thank forward you. to that. Okay. So we're, uh, we're going to get ready to go here. Here we go. Hello, I am Chris William, executive producer and moderator for the long-running syndicated PBS series, Carolina Business Review, seen each and every week on public television stations across North Carolina. In fact, the longest-running and most widely watched source of business policy and public affairs here in the Carolinas. But what you're watching is our online installment called CBR Unscripted, and it is a frank unrehearsed dialogue with leadership in the region about the issues of the day. And of course, COVID-19 dominates it. But the important thing is what else does it mean? And that's why we do these online and immediate. And joining us now, um, and this is my definition of him, but is a man who is almost a force of nature in himself, uh, certainly a, a leader in many rights. And I could go down the list of accolades that he's received. But since 2005, he has been the president and the transformational change of High Point University. We welcome from his office, Dr. Nito Quvain. Dr. Quvain, welcome. Thank you very much, Chris. It's always a pleasure being with you. And thank you for doing these segments. They, they really help us all stay in touch and, and learn about what's going on in our world under some very difficult uh, situation. Thank, thank you. And it has been um, unparalleled. People use the term unprecedented, uh, President Quvain. What's been the impact on High Point University, the students, the faculty, the community, et cetera? Well, as you know, this, uh, this unimaginable crisis has created tremendous challenges to all of us, clearly. All of us in business, all of us in personal lives, and so on. But in higher education in particular, and High Point University especially, um, it has been a disturbance on a number of levels. Now, clearly, people think about the revenue level, you know, when you have to refund uh, in our case, almost $18 million in housing, uh, prorated housing and food, that takes a hit on your revenue line. Uh, and God forbid that if for some reason school does not convene again in the fall, we're certainly planning to do that, uh, then you really get a bad, bad hit because you, you start losing some of the tuition and some of the housing and some of the food. And, and many colleges will be perhaps unable to... Um, to proceed under such difficult situations. For us at Hype University, you know, we, uh, we've always had good liquidity, very important word in times of crises. And we were able to manage our school without furlough, without headcount reduction. We obviously are working remotely. Most of us are working remotely, even though universities, as you know, Chris, are regarded as essential. And um, we have done a really terrific job in very quickly having our faculty adapt from in-person teaching to online learning. And that takes a lot of skill, but somehow we've managed it. And, and so, you know, financial is one piece, but the other piece, Chris, which I think is going to have lasting effect on all of us, is the emotional piece, is how we feel when we're not connected one with the other, when you're not you know, in person with another human being. We all need that nurture. And that's going to be a tough one. But mm -hmm. for higher education, I think this has been a, an important call to say, are we ready? Will we be ready in the future? And I suspect for business too, that we have to adapt and adopt new methodologies to deal yeah, with sorry to interrupt you, sir. Does this new, new normal, as they call it. Does this, uh, as you talk about the fall in tuition and cost, will this, and I'll, I'll use the... Uh, 
I, I use the, uh, the display of a tide receding. When it when it when the tide does recede, Dr. Cobain, does it obviously will expose a lot of things uh, financially for many schools, many higher ed. Will this end up being uh, a short-term issue, or w if you had to handicap it, would you say that in the fall there will be schools that will not be open that are open now, or is that is that being too dramatic? Well, I I hope that's being too dramatic, but I think that's um, that has some reality built into it. Um, it depends on the school's position, right? Uh, depends on their level of liquidity. It really depends on the affinity. Uh, that these institutions have with their students and their families. At High Point, we've, we, we don't just have brand awareness or brand preference or brand insistence, but we have brand advocacy. We have parents advocating the school, sending us the first child, the second, and the third. So it depends on all these factors. It also depends on uh, what sensitivity modeling these institutions are doing. You know, what happens if 10% of your students don't come back? What happens if 25% don't come back, financial reasons or otherwise? What happens if 10% don't come back? and you don't open school in the fall. So th these factors become cumulative. For some schools, I suspect it's gonna mean the demise unless federal government comes in and support, unless the legislature comes in and support these schools. And I think you're gonna see, Chris, some mergers and uh, yes, some closures, but certainly some mergers. Look, schools are like a cat, you know, they have nine lives. If this doesn't work, they'll figure out some other way to make it work. And I'm hoping for the sake of everybody that, that we don't have a mass closure of institutions. That's not healthy for society. It's not healthy for America. At Hype University, we're very strong. That's not anywhere in our vocabulary. Uh, we will deal with this crisis with gumption, with grit, with agility, with resilience. And uh, we will not only, as I told all of our people, I'm having, Chris, I'm having all kinds of webcasts, um, uh, events with our faculty, with our staff, with our families, with our students. Uh, to let them know what's going on. In times like these, we must communicate and we must connect with our constituencies. And what I'm saying to them is we will survive and we will thrive on top of that. And that's, that's what you have to believe. There's nothing else you can do. You have to have a sense of confidence based on competence that if you do the right things and do them with, you know, with, with frequency, that in the end you will make good things happen for students, for faculty, and for all those involved in your family. You know, the way you just described it, Dr. Cobain, is, is the hallmark of your character. It tends to be optimistic and forward-looking anyway. But when we get back, just, just, just really briefly, when you get back to the idea of what does it do to the student debt crisis that we've had? Does it exacerbate it or does it lessen the burden for those that already carry the debt and now have this public health crisis overlaid on top of that? Mm. Well, you know, we began with the health crisis. Now we have an economic crisis, right? So, I mean, uh, you got unemployment uh, getting close to 30 million people unemployed, almost to depression era times. These are the sad things. I suspect some of those numbers will be mitigated as people go back to work, as companies open up and so on. Um, and when we talk about student debt, Chris, we always have to separate undergrad from grad. This is a mega difference that sometimes we forget. Mm -hmm. So if a, if a person is, is borrowing money to go to medical school or to some profession that eventually they're going to you know, make make good, good money afterwards, like a pharmacist, Hype University, we have School of Pharmacy, physical therapy, physician assistant, and so on. That's not all that bad. On the other hand, if you're undergraduate and you take enormous debt and, and you're going to pursue a career that does not have um, a significant payback in terms of fiscal resources, you know, that's, that could be a little more troubling and a little more stressful. Uh, what does this do to, to debt? Um, I suspect that in America, students want to go to college. That's a good thing. We know for a fact 
every survey tells us that someone who graduates from college is going to make more money than someone who has it. Are there exceptions? Of course. But you can't live your life on the exception. You have to live your life on the mainstream reality. Um, now, schools like High Point, and I suspect other fine institutions do this, we're actually expanding the investment we're making in scholarships. So we, this year, we will give close to $50 million in scholarships so that our students can have can have access to learning. We've expanded our graduate uh, programs um, for the seniors who have been robbed of all the experiences of their last semester on campus uh, to make it possible for them if they can't find a job and they'd like to get a master's degree, uh, we are giving significant grants to make that happen. So I think institutions, Chris, have a responsibility to partner with families and students. But so does government. So does the legislature. We all have to work together to make it possible for students to go to school. At High Point, we have scholarships for first-generation students. Uh, we have scholarships for students who have lower economic means but really are desirous to come here. Do we have enough? No. We can always have more, and we're working towards that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the debt issue really, we talk a lot about it, but I don't think that's the primary issue. The primary issue is how can we make sure that universities are strong and well-endowed and well-resourced so that they can enable students to come at times with great scholarship infusion? Let, let, let's explode out from just not higher ed and the industry of education, but let's explode out to, to what your worldview has is, is been around. And to use this term, Dr. Cobain, existential. What have we learned about and during this lockdown about ourselves? about how we interact socially, about what our future may be. Just, but, but just in general, what has this done to our, our aggregate consciousness and our confidence? A lot. It's done a lot. Uh, for example, organizationally, we've discovered that culture is everything. An organization, whether it's a university or a company, uh, or a family for that matter, that has close uh, contact and close connectedness one with the other, I call it relational capital, if you will, uh, are, is going to fare, those organizations are going to fare much, much better than those who did not have that kind of tradition, that kind of culture. So culture is everything. Second, the way we connect with each other, right? The way we communicate, we, we speak, we listen, we observe, we write. But to connect, we must have the emotion focus also, not just the mind, but the heart and the soul. And what this is saying to all of us is, what are we willing to do extra to build bridges of understanding with other people? Um, what am I willing to do to be elevectoral, to go beyond myself? Not just my enlightened self-interest, but what can I do to help you? You know, are we reaching out to people by telephone? Are we, are we giving them a food if they need it? Or toilet paper if you have extra ones in your, in your own home? I mean, these are times when we have to know that to whom much is given, much is required. Um, I'm on the board of several corporations, and some of them are doing some spectacular things in reaching out to help families, families with little children who can't be in, in, in childcare, for example, or families where one of the spouses is out of a job and they're worried about buying groceries. So this is a time for us to be Americans. This is a time for us to come together and to build this uh, interpersonal relationships. And for some, it's gonna to be tough, Chris. For some, it's gonna be very tough. When you take that hit on your heart, on your self-esteem, on your self-image, 
maybe you're out of a job, maybe maybe your money has run out, uh, maybe you have some personal relationships that are going astray. Um, that's tough, my friend. This is a time for perhaps more counseling, you know, on college campuses and companies in our societies. And this is a time for organizations like the United Way and others uh, to step up and step out and we must help them so they can reach out and make society come to some normalcy. You know, I don't think it's the new normal, Chris. Somebody called it the new abnormal. Somebody called it the new next. I like that, the new next. We can't define the next perfectly today, but, but it's coming. This too shall pass. You know, yeah. hope is eternal. This is America, and we have to believe in the goodness that this land has, but it's not going to pass without some personal and professional pain, and we must adjust to that. You know, anyone that knows you personally, of course, uh, President Cobain, or even even professionally, or even from afar, is not going to be surprised by your by your sense of, of confidence and, and, and optimism. And even on on the High Point University website, it says that you are driven by faithful courage. Do you ever get discouraged? Ever? Oh my goodness, Chris! Listen, this lesson I learned from my mother. Now, my father died when I was six years of age. My mother brought us up five of us. She had fourth grade education. That's all she had but she had a postgraduate degree in a discipline you and I would call common sense. So my mom would teach me all this common sense stuff that's really helped me in my life. And here's one of them. She would say, son, it is perfectly okay to be disappointed. It is never okay to be discouraged. She'd say people will disappoint you, events will disappoint you, circumstances will disappoint you. But remember this, the circumstances in which you find yourself today will not determine where you end up. They only determine where you start. There's no such thing as unrealistic dreams, only unrealistic timelines. Chris, if we don't believe in that, then why would we get up in the morning? We have to get up with a spirit of anticipation that God created me for a purpose. And in spite of the difficulties, look, you gotta take obstacles, turn them into opportunities. You're going to take fear, turn it into focus, right? So this is a time not just to think about success, but to think about significance. Not just what I want to do, but how I must be. So I believe in the American spirit. I believe in the, in the human spirit. And I believe that we will work through this. Yes, with some pain. Yes, with some change, with some transformation. But look, you take change out of life. You take risk out of life, you take opportunity out of life. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. We should go after it with grit, with gusto, and yes, with faithful courage. Dr. Cobain, it's hard to argue with your, your, your optimism certainly is more than just skin deep, and you, you, you tend to share that uh, with many people around you. We'd like to thank you for, your, of course, your leadership during this, this very sensitive time, not just in High Point and Triad, but, but broadly across the region are, of, of course, continued best wishes to you and the team up in the triad of North Carolina. And thank you for joining us. And Chris, let me thank you because you do an exceptional job, uh, both on your television program, but also through these sessions, because this is what we need, my friend. We need conversations, we need dialogue, we need infusion of ideas and thoughts and strategies. And you're making that possible for all of us. And you are the professional's professional. And for that, I thank you very much. Thank you. Good job. Nito, I, you know, I, I am all.